lifestyle. And it's in that state that I get radically saved. And um, I get confronted with the truth of my soul and my eternal destiny. Like I know it is shocking. I go from literally don't care about any of it to overnight I'm like seriously concerned Am I, am I going to die and go to hell? It, it was so instant. And um, I hadn't heard a preacher. I hadn't had some sort of like, you know, kind of ministry. It was just a deep concern for my own soul. There was one guy in our school that I knew was a Christian. He was a five foot four African-American man who weighed about 130 pounds. His name was Stephen Foster. He was the in-school suspension teacher. I knew him really well. And um, let the reader understand. And uh, and I had friends who were in the occult, and, 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 and but all my friends were scared of this man. And I remember I had uh, these occult friends who literally wouldn't even go down the hallway where his classroom was because he'd stand out in the hallway and he would tell everybody, uh, you know, all sorts of good things. He'd say, "How are you?" And, and they'd say, how are you doing, Mr. Foster? He'd say, oh, I'm doing good, good things, good things are happening, good things. And then he would just put his hands on kids as they're walking by, and he would bless them. But he didn't say he was blessing them. He'd just say, you're just going to be a winner. You're just going to be, you know, you're going to be awesome. You're, you're, your family's going to be great. And he would just say all these things to these, these people walking by. He's blessing everybody. And he's just creating this orb of energy, you know, spiritual energy. And, uh, and my, my, so my friendships wouldn't even go near this guy. Well, when I get so deeply concerned about my soul, I go to him and I said, listen, I said, I think Satan is trying to kill me and take me to hell. I was the easiest salvation anybody ever heard of. I said, I think Satan is trying to kill me and take me to hell. He goes, yes. And I go, I don't want to go to hell. What do I need to do? I was, I was ripe and ready for the pickings. And um, he said, you need to give your life to Jesus. And I'm like, okay, so I don't have to go to hell? He's like, no. And he said, okay, so I give my life to Jesus. He goes, yeah, that's what you do. You, you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And, and I, didn't under, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Like, I didn't understand the language. I just knew that if there was any hope for me, basically the message I got from him was, the only hope for me was Jesus. And so uh, I remember I prayed with him to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And um, I'm, I'm just about to turn 16 at the time. But it's not, it's not really connecting. So I, I say yes, and I'm just in shock that the whole thing is real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Jesus is real. The devil's real. Angels are real. De demons are real. This whole thing is real. This is nuts. And so, um, but it takes me a couple of years to come out of the lifestyle that I was in. I mean, I was into psychedelics. I was into real addictive stuff. I mean, I was a messed up kid. And, um, and so I remember finally, I, I go to an evangelistic meeting one time. I'm like, um, just, turned, just turned 18. And this guy breaks down what it means to receive Jesus as Lord. And I'd never heard that before. And, and he breaks down Romans 10, 9, and 10, which, is, which says, if you receive Jesus as your uh, Lord, you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead. If you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And, um, 
and he breaks it down that it's actually giving your life to Jesus. When, when, when he explained that, I was like, oh, it's really me saying I'm not in charge anymore, you're in charge. Okay. Okay, 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 I get it. And I remember I answered that altar call that night, and I've answered a bunch of altar calls since I prayed with uh, Mr. Foster. I just didn't know. They just said, because they all preach Revelation 3 if you're lukewarm. I'm like, I'm totally lukewarm. And I would answer all those altar calls, but I didn't know what it meant to make Jesus Lord. When I first heard that, that night, everything radically shifted. I quit, you know, doing drugs. I quit just, you know, being in, you know, perversion and all these things I've been in. I got baptized in water that night, and, and from that moment forward, went full on for Jesus. Well, here's the thing. When you get saved, your spirit, the, the, the spirit of you, gets born again. That's what comes alive on the inside, right? It's your, your spirit. But your mind is still having to work through everything that you've filled it with up until that point, isn't that right? And so here was my experience. I get, I get totally given to Jesus. I'm sharing the gospel with people. I'm living full on for Jesus. I'm studying the Bible. I'm praying. And my mind is completely out of my own control. It was totally overrun with everything that I fed it ever since you know, I could feed it with stuff. I was a kid that I grew up um, right when cable TV became a thing. It became a thing. Like I remember before cable and then when the cable truck showed up on our screen, I was like, yes, free movies or something. And I remember we got cable and then we got HBO. I, I was raised by HBO and I, would, I, could mem I memorized movies. It was just what I did. Well, I filled my mind with everything but God, and then I tortured my mind with every drug I could get my hand on. So when I got saved, my spirit was alive, but my brain, my mind was out of control still. And I was really struggling. I was, my heart was fully God's, but I couldn't control what was happening up here. And I think you probably know what that feels like. Um, and everybody, to a certain extent, experiences difficulty with controlling what's happening inside your, inside your head. And so for me, it was a radical uh, challenge to get my mind under control. I can remember being like, 19 years old, trying to go and listen to a preacher, and I couldn't even listen. I had to stare at the ground or close my eyes, and, and just only like, okay, I'm gonna try to focus on this guy's voice, because my brain was just all over the place. It was just Swiss cheese. And, uh, and so, just, just to be a little clearer, I was, uh, before I got, completely given to the Lord, I was operating with psychotic um, thoughts that were dominating me. I, I didn't know that at the time, but I had, these, I had these ideations that were false. They weren't real. It wasn't reality, but I was living inside these false ideas, and uh, I was filled with fear. I was filled with, 
you know, anxiety. I, I, I was scared that I was going to hell. Even after I prayed to receive Jesus, I had just so much traffic in my head. Now, I'm not saying that to say, look how bad I was, or I was worse than you, or anything like that. I'm saying all that to say this, that it, it doesn't matter how jacked up your mind is, Jesus really can heal your mind. And I went through a radical transformational process where Jesus literally healed my mind and um, healed my thoughts and gave me back control of my mind. And um, it, was, it was so bad at that time of my life where I was having these psychoses that I didn't know if I'd ever be sane. I, I literally thought I might just be one of those people that just, they put him in an asylum or something. Like, like that's where I was at. So I'm not being dramatic, I'm just being honest. I don't usually tell people that because it freaks people out and then they go, you're gone. We go to your church, oh, ew. You know, it's just, it's ugly, but it's, it's real, it's just reality. And then I'll just say this as a parenthesis, I'm the last guy that should have been a preacher. I'm the absolute last guy. Uh, I'm the last guy that should have been successful. I have a bunch of friends that are dead from my high school years. They're dead. They're not just like not doing well in life. They're dead. That, that's who I was running with. That's what my life was like. I was a train wreck. Um, I've been in multiple total lost car accidents and I've walked away from them and I can't understand how. And so I recognized the destiny of God on me. He just kept me shockingly through the whole process. Even as I'm sharing this, like there's a tremble in my heart because I just, I feel the fear of the Lord over it because it's, it, I shouldn't be here. And the idea that I could stand in front of any audience ever with a microphone in my hand and have lucid explanations of the word of God and break it down. And then the fact that I can do that anywhere is shocking. That's crazy. But then the fact that I've traveled literally like 30 nations and preached the gospel all over the place and underground churches and I mean just huge. Pot I, it, you don't understand. I'm a miracle from where I was. I was a I was a, the last one. I was the guy that you definitely thought that guy would never make. That guy's going to die. That was me. So I get saved. God rescues me, protects me. But my brain is a wreck. Okay? And I remember I um, had this conversation with this guy who had been, he'd been the lead singer of the rock band Black Sabbath. And uh, you, know, you know that band? And he had been Jesus Christ superstar on Broadway when it exploded. And, and I'm like, I want to hear his story because I have been such a train wreck, but this guy was like, whatever, quadruple bypass train wreck. I don't know. I just messed up completely. And, um, and I started telling him what I was dealing with with my mind. I said, I can't get my mind out of my control. Oh, this is the point. After I got saved, I would have these episodes where I would lose control of my mind for four, sometimes eight hours at a time. Right, I'm getting flooded with thoughts that are not coming from me, I can't stop them. This was my reality. And so I told this guy, I said, hey, I think I'm damaged and I don't know how to get fixed. And my mind is messed up and I'm, you were the lead singer of Black Sabbath, so I'm guessing you did a lot of drugs. So uh, how did you like 
fixed your head? Because have you ever experienced, and I explained what I was going through, because I've experienced exactly what you're talking about. And I said, okay, well, what is it? He said, you have to take authority in your mind. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? How do I do that? You, you, have, you, you have to control what you allow your mind to think of. I go, I don't, I don't think I can. I don't know how to control it. It's Swiss cheese up there. Like, it's messed up. He goes, no, every thought is either coming from God, the devil, or you. He goes, and the ones that are coming from God, you always say yes to those thoughts. And they'll always line up with the Bible. It's super simple. He goes, but the ones that are coming from the devil, they will always be opposite of the Bible. And he goes, and then when you have thoughts, you, it's your job to take your thoughts and connect them to God's thoughts and not to the devil's thoughts. He made a real simple one. I'm like, okay. How do you do that? And he gave me this verse. This is the most life-changing verse of my entire life as a 20-year-old believer who was just trying to get my feet under me. Have you ever, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like I'm just trying to get these wobbly legs to stand up underneath me? Anybody ever felt that way, just to be honest? It's where I was. And maybe you don't have that story. Maybe you're raised in the church. You know, maybe you never did drugs. God bless you for that testimony. That's amazing. Maybe you have that same testimony uh, and you've had trouble in your mind. But you don't have to have had my story to have a problem in your head. You don't have to have my history have a difficulty in your, in your thoughts. And what I find is most believers, especially young believers... When it comes to walking out their Christianity, they're losing up here in their head. They're losing in their mind before they ever step on any kind of spiritual warfare field, any kind of life field. They lose up here before they ever step into the game. Hmm. And so this passage is the one the Lord used to heal me, to deliver me. So it's 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10. And I'll explain the process of it. But it's the one that is. I mean, there's other verses that go with it, and I'll share a few others. But it is the one that gave me back control of what was happening between my ears. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. And if you've been around the church or been in the Word any amount of time, you may be familiar with this passage, but it doesn't matter if you're familiar with the passage. If, if that passage doesn't, if, it, if you're not using it, it's like having a gun and just leaving it in the holster. You know what I'm saying? Like It, it doesn't matter that you're, that you're weaponized. You have to actually utilize it. Does that make sense? So 2 Corinthians 10.3 Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
And I would just say this, like so often I've been around believers, and they go, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. And then they want, you know, they want help in some version of spiritual warfare, and they think that the spiritual warfare equals that they've got, you know, um, a, a demon in their house, and they need like all their door uh, frames anointed with oil, and we gotta cast the devil out of the house. And, and, and I would just say this, demons don't care about houses. They care about people. Uh, they're not trying to live in your closet. They're trying to live in your head. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care about your closet. A demon is not sitting in your closet for 23 hours a day waiting for you for the one you know, segment of 30 minutes that you're going to walk in. That's not what demons do. Demons are looking for expression and the way that they want to express themselves is through people and the way that they are able to express themselves through people is so super clear right here in this passage. They seize your thoughts. It's as simple as that. This is not rocket science-y stuff. Super, super simple. So he says, because the weapons of our warfare, they're not fleshly weapons. We don't fight the devil in the flesh. Because though we, we live in the flesh, that we live in human bodies, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly weapons. They're actually supernatural, uh, mighty weapons. They're mighty in God. And they pull down these things called strongholds. And they cast down. Our weapons are able, here's the point, to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me ask you something. Just where do spiritual arguments take place in your life? In your head. In your mind. The weapons that you have that are able to deal with spiritual warfare are all about getting your mind back in your control. And it's just as simple as this. If I can control the way you think, I can control the way you act. It's just as simple as that. If, if you'll give me your mind, I can take you on a ride that you do not want to go on. Just give me your mind. And so the enemy, he points all spiritual warfare to controlling the mind. Now just think about this in a natural way. You know if you can hypnotize somebody or get somebody mind control or whatever that is, you know you can own that person. Like you've seen enough weird movies where they mind control somebody, right? Like you, you get the picture. It's exactly what's going on in the spirit. The enemy is fighting for your mind. That's it. And challenge, the challenge is that uh, before, like, before we come to Jesus, we don't know, we're not wise enough to know that our mind is going to, it's going to dictate our actions. And so we fill our minds all sorts of crap that ends up causing our actions to be all sorts of messed up. And it fills us with not just lusts, but fears and anxieties and judgments and 
All sorts of broken stuff, right? We fill our minds with all sorts of stuff. I remember like when I was a youth pastor, I remember talking to kids, they kept, they kept coming to say, and they would say, I can't stop cussing. And go, you know, they go, Pastor, I want to stop cussing, but I can't stop cussing. I go, um, yeah, super simple. What music are you listening to? <laughs> yep. I mean, 100% of the time. Like, this is not one out, this is not an outlier. 100% of the time. I go, so what are you listening to? What's your, what's your music favorites? And it would be, you know, Lil Puppy, and I don't know the names of them. Lil Little Guy, anybody, Lil, and whatever. Those guys, all those guys, cussing them out for an hour at a time, every single album. And I said, listen, look man, the music, it lowers your defenses, it opens your soul. Your, your soul is made for music. And then they cuss you out for an hour <laughs> with your soul wide open to music that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I promise you, if you'll stop, listen to those guys cussing you out, your brain will clear up. Mm. And, and it just, I mean, 100% of the time. The reason why they couldn't stop having a sinful action was because they were filling their mind with sinful thoughts. Yeah. Look, I, you know, I mean, I, I've been in here in your worship. I mean, I've seen you guys stuff online. I mean, y'all love Jesus. I mean, you guys love Jesus. You want to worship Jesus. You want to live righteously. Guys, it is, I'm telling you, this is the issue. Your problem is not mostly outside of you. It's not that person. Your problem, it's about five inches above your chin. That's where the challenge is. That's where the fight is. The battle is won or lost there before it's ever won or lost out here. And so here's what I had to do because my brain, so my brain was so full of you know, the momentum of sin, as much sin as I can get my hands on and as much drugs as I can get my hands on, my, my brain was so full of that momentum that I was getting flooded with demonic thoughts all day long. I, I created strongholds. So strongholds are simply, think about like uh, the opening of a cave and it's fortified, you know, with you know, a bunch of lumber and stuff. It's basically you've created a thoroughfare in your mind and you've fortified it with a bunch of actions that have built up this easy entry and exit point for the enemy. You've, you've created a delivery, you know, dock in your brain for everything the enemy wants to give you. It's strongholds. It's, it's the, the habit of demonic thought. Demonic, just anything that's not from Jesus. It doesn't have to be like, you know... Satanism, it could just be anything that's not like Jesus. You know, we, we call it issues, hang-ups, got an area I'm working on, got an issue. Your issue is, I mean, so often it's a demonic stronghold that you've given the enemy access to. And so he goes, the, our weapons are mighty in God to the pulling down. We can shut that door. We can shut down the stronghold and we can cast down the arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
That passage, it gives us indication that the number one attack of the enemy, where it takes place is in your mind, and what it's about is the way you think about God. It mostly takes place in your mind, and it mostly is about what you think about God. Now, it's also what you think about yourself and what you think about others, but it's mostly what you think about God because that impacts what you think about yourself and what you think about others. So here's what I have to do. Here's me, Swiss cheese brain, all sorts of strongholds everywhere. I'm getting lustful, perverse, anger, hatred, murder, demonic thoughts all day long. Suicide. I mean, just name it, I'm getting it. Because I've opened my brain to that in so many ways. And so I'm literally having to use this passage and believe it and take authority in my mind. And the way I had to do that was with my mouth. You have actually authority. What you say has actual authority. That's why when you cast out demons, Jesus, he didn't cast them out with a wink. He didn't cast it out with a, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he cast it out with what? A word. Because there's authority in our words. Yeah. It's real. It's really real. And, uh, and so when he's saying cast these thoughts down, he's saying say something in opposition to those thoughts. He's saying contest the thought. Okay, contest the thought. I remember talking to this young guy. He was about 13. And he was struggling in his mind. And he was struggling, and I know you guys talked about same-sex attraction last week. He was struggling with homosexual thoughts. And uh, the thing that was so crazy was he had never seen anything homosexual and wasn't sure what he was seeing. And as he was breaking it down for me, he was describing homosexuality and it was troubling and it was vexing him, but he didn't know what it was. Now think about how demonic that is. Completely the enemy trying to take authority over his mind. And, uh, and so once we identified it, we realized, oh, there's, there's something going on spiritual. We're going to stand against the devil. But I, had to, I had to tell him, you know, guys, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to speak against those thoughts. You're going to fight back with your words. You're going to cast the thoughts down. And so here's what I had to do. I I remember I'm I'm like 18. I'm trying to serve Jesus. I'm getting flooded with every thought. And I'm literally having to cast down hundreds of thoughts every day. And I remember this vividly. I I was in a grocery store. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm in the cereal aisle And I'm just getting barraged With demonic traffic And I'm going In the name of Jesus I cast that thought down In Jesus name And there's a lady like, right next to me. And she's like Like scooting away So I learned you can't just like do it like the Pentecostal preacher on TV, like, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> don't do that. It actually works if you just say it and believe it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> it's just going I just gotta cast that thought down. Just cast that down, Jesus. 
time I would get a thought that was, you know, perversion, yeah. you know, um, self-harm, yeah. you know, do drugs, just, you know, turn away from Jesus. What, I mean, I had so much. It was just over, it was just overrun. Mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous. Anytime I say I cast it in, I cast it down in Jesus' name. I just say it out of them, I cast that thought down. And then I begin to I begin to envision myself taking that thought captive. That's what he says. Take it captive and cast it down. I would have to do that a hundred, sometimes hundreds of times a day. I have probably had to cast down, I don't know the number, thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thoughts. And I mean, you know, as I was getting started in it, I was just thinking, man, this is stupid hard. <laughs> because my brain is like a, it's like a subway station for demonic activity. Because I had given myself to it so badly. It was just like so much traffic coming and going, so much traffic. And I can remember like, you know, casting out thought of thought of thought of thought of thought. And then the enemy goes, it's not working. See, it's not working because you're having to cast down thought after thought after thought. And here I am, I'm still here. And then the Lord goes, you're casting down one thought and he's trying to give you a brand new thought. Keep casting them down and he'll, keep, he'll quit giving them to you. Mm. In football... The quarterback, he throws the ball. The wide receivers, they catch the ball. You know who the quarterback throws the ball to? The wide receivers that are open. You know who the devil throws the thoughts to? The ones that will receive them. And the Lord was just telling me, keep casting them down because when you're not open, he'll go look for somewhere else, which is what the Bible actually says. Resist the devil and he will. What do you think that means? Resist the devil and he'll flee. I, I guarantee you, it, it, it's not about putting oil over your door frame at your, at your house. Or shouting into your closet, get out of here! It's not, it, it really is about resisting him in your mind. In your mind. Well, hundreds of times. And I remember thinking, gosh, devil, why, why are you trying to do this to me? Like, well, I, I'm not that bad of a guy. Like, why are you trying to, why, why? Like, go get someone else. Go kill someone else or something. Just kill, steal, kill, destroy something. <laughs> I just want to think, why are you coming after me like this? And then I was like, oh yeah, he hates me. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is on, this is on forever. And uh, Caleb Andrews is one of our favorite worship leaders from the House of Prayer here. He wrote this song. And in the song he says, life ain't only, but it's always a war. When I realized that life ain't only, but it's always a war, I was like, all right, so you're not leaving? All right, well, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight until I die. That's just what's up. I'm not going to hell for you, devil. I'm not letting you take my mind and I'm not letting you have my actions. I'm not letting you have my life. Jesus already paid for my life. I am not going to go out like this. And I just made it my habit. Perverse thought, I cast that down in Jesus' name. Private thought, I cast that down in Jesus' name. Whatever. Self-hatred, self-harm, other hatred, other harm. Cast that down in Jesus' name. 
And then I got smart and I realized, oh, you know what? If I'll actually get Bible verses instead of just to cast it down, cast it down is good. It's you, it's you exerting your will. If I'll actually get Bible verses going in my brain, then he's got nothing to put in there. He can't, you know what I mean? It's like there's one-way traffic, there's Bible going on, and guess what? You have no, you can't even merge into that. Thing. So I memorized full chapters of the Bible. And what I did was I first memorized John 15 because every word was read. I thought, well, this is like the word of God plus the word of God. Like, this is double word of God. And, and the red is letters of Jesus, right? So it's Jesus. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to double, triple word of God you now. And so I just, I memorized John 15. And, and, and so what I started doing was when I started getting hit, I would just start quoting John 15. Come on. My father's a vine dresser on the truth line. I just, good luck with that, buddy. Good luck. Try to merge in that. Jesus is in there. Jesus is in my mind. Guess what? And then, and then Romans 6. Romans 6 is all about overcoming sin. James 1, all about overcoming sin. So I would just rotate John 15, Romans 6, and James 1 in my brain. I memorize every word, and I just quote it. And so it's like, it's like if, if, Roman, if John 15 didn't work, I'd just go to Romans 6, and by, by the time I'm at James 1, I'm just grounding and pounding. I'm just grounding and pounding. It's like you just can't get in there. And so I learned this. And I practiced this over years. Okay, hear me. You know, saying, so why didn't God just deliver you? He was helping me to learn what it means to fight in the Spirit. You know, when, when Jesus tells Peter, right before Peter is about to make the worst decision of his whole life and deny Jesus... Jesus goes, hey, hey, uh, Satan has desired to sift you like he wants to chop you up into like little wheat crumbs. He says, but I'm going to pray for you. I always thought, well, Jesus, why didn't you like say, I'm going to jump in front of him and stop him from attacking you. He didn't. He goes, I'm going to pray for you that your faith would be firm, that you'd stand, that you'd stand in faith. It's powerful. He wants, see, God, here's what God wants. He wants to partner with you and me, little peewee nothings, little baby made from dust people. He wants to partner with us to destroy Satan. Wow. He actually wants to share the victory of the cross with us and we walk it out together. With him. That's called partnership. It's crazy. Because you know Jesus right now, he could appear and stop everything the devil's doing right now. Bang. He could do one 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 nostril breath. Well, that day's coming, so he's gonna slay the the breath of his nostrils. But here's the point. Right now we're occupying and we're taking ground and we're walking out the victory he purchased for us on the cross. And the number one place we do that, it's here, guys. It's here. If you win here, you'll win everywhere. But if you give this away, if you give your mind away, yeah. Yeah. he can have your actions. 
And so reading the Word and stuff like you know, getting in the Scripture and meditating on the Bible, yes, it will help you grow, but you know what it will do? It will fill your mind with light. And that's what I needed personally. I needed my mind filled with light. And I'll just say this. I mean, I've been, I've been doing ministry 27 years. Somebody comes to me and I go, I'm having a sin problem. You know, just whatever, fill the blank. I'm having a sin problem. I mean, nine out of a thousand times, I go, how's your word life? How's your Bible reading? Wow, I really love worship. Yeah, that's yeah, good. How about reading the Bible? How's that going? Oh, I'm not much of a reader. Uh, okay, well, they got audio Bibles. You trying that? How's that going for you? Well, you know, I like podcasts. Like podcasts are nice. Who are you listening to? Well, you know, Joe Rogan's really cool. I'm like, okay, wait. I'm asking you, are you in the Bible? <laughs> but 999 times out of 1,000, sin problem, no Bible. Yeah. No, no Bible in the brain. And what are they doing? They're giving their mind to demonic chatter, demonic traffic, stirring up lust, stirring up anger, stirring up all the brokenness, and they're acting on what's going on up here. Does that make sense? Yes. Cast down thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, take into captivity every lofty thing, cast down strongholds, shut those. Some of you right now, you have, you have fear issues because you've allowed the enemy to beat you up with fear. And some of you, it's what you learn from a parent or a leader. They're always fearful, so it just seems like that's what you do. It's to be fearful, it's gonna freak out. It's what you do. You freak out. No, you don't have to freak out. He literally says, my peace I give you. He's not like the world gives. You don't have to freak out. In fact, he promises, uh, and I'll give you this verse. He says, if you'll set your mind on me, I'll keep you in perfect peace. I am that one guy that actually has to put the glasses on. <laughs> to read the thing. All right. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, that means fixed or set on you. You can have perfect peace. That passage is about the end times where things are exploding all across the earth because whoever sets their mind on you, they're going to be in perfect peace even through the greatest time of trial the earth has ever seen. Colossians 3, he says, uh, if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I, I would just say this, like, I watched Christians, like, lose their junk last year. I mean, just radically, like, lose their peace, lose their soundness, say all sorts of stupid on online, you know, social media. And the reason why was because they weren't locked into Jesus, and they weren't locked into the world, out of the word, they were locked into the world. Yeah. They're listening to the testimony that was coming out of the news channels, and, and all the outrages in society, they're listening to all that stuff on social, they weren't in the word, and so what were they doing? 
they were actually filling their mind with a report that wasn't the Lord, and then they were spitting it back out in Jesus' name. It was crazy. Watching Christians say the exact same stuff that unsaved people with no hope are saying. What was going on there? The devil was taking control of people's minds by filling the atmosphere with fear. Crazy. Crazy. Cast down thoughts. So, the, the simple thought, the simple thing I'm giving you, you have a controlling issue, controlling pattern of behavior, you have a sin issue, you've got something you keep stumbling in, it starts here. It doesn't start in your hand. It starts in your head. Cast it down here. Fill that with something that's truth from the word in opposition. And your actions will change. They will change. Your desires will change. What, what you want will change. But if you fill your mind with the, the enemy's thoughts, if you let that thing run wild in your brain... You will have desires and, 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 and emotions that go with the stuff he's, he's running, running in your head. And, you know, I don't know a lot, man. I mean, I'm learning. I'm, I'm still on a journey of learning, understanding the Lord, understanding his kingdom. But I do know this. If I hadn't gotten vigilant about getting authority in my mind, there's zero chance I'd be standing in front of you right now. Like, there's no chance. The only way that my brain got healed, that I got healed from that kind of life that I was in, the only way was casting down the thoughts that were exalting themselves above the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity all those lofty things, tearing down the strongholds in my mind, and ultimately, my actions changed. Okay? Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, like... I, what, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to sit in front of you guys, talk for 45 minutes or an hour. If that was a good word, go out and eat your thing, you know, eat your snacks, and praise God, see you next week. And no one's casting that thoughts. That would be dumb. That would be a complete waste of time. But like, like if all of you decided I'm going to actually get vigilant about what I let in my mind, what I watch, what I listen to, what I let go across my brain. I'm going to get vigilant about that. How you think will change and how you act will change. Seriously. It's, it's, it's just not rocket science. Now, I've got this little thing I want to show you. This is part two. So I want to look at this for the next. You guys give me seven minutes, right? Seven minutes? Yeah. All right, look at this. Pass this on out. I'm... I did this drawing myself. I'm kind of proud of it. Because as do doofy as this looks, this actually took me quite a bit of time to make it look right. <laughs> I know that looks like I probably did that in 17 seconds. It probably took me an hour. I'm not an artist, but it's got an art feel to it. You see that little bomb going off in the middle? It's, a, it's got like an arty. It's good. So, do we have some artists in the room, some visual arts people? Like, you got any love for this? Like, you're not even going to admit it. She goes, huh? Frame this thing. This is like framage. This is your bathroom mirror material. Huh? It's pretty. I wasn't exactly 
the shame for praying? I'm glad it's free to you. Praise God. I'm glad praying is a thing for you. Good. Here's what's going on. Okay, look. Look. Uh, so, 90 plus percent of the time, hey, hey, look at me. Don't try to figure this out. Let me do this. There's this trigger. Oh, trigger. Ooh, emotional cascade. Just stay with me and I'll explain to you. 90, you guys are not stupid. I'd like to teach you. Keep your chest turned up. All right. So 90 plus percent of the time, your thoughts, it's a cause and effect. Thoughts and actions cause and effect. It, 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 I mean, it is in your volitional ability to choose what's going on in your brain and that's affecting your actions. Like 90 plus percent of the time. Um, there's a smaller percentage of the time that it's, it's, it's outside of your, your choices. And, and I'm going to explain that. Now, when you get a thought, again, it's either God, you, or the devil. You're not choosing every demonic thought, but you choose what you do with that thought. You see what I'm saying? This is different. This is different. Okay? This is what happens when we have learned a behavior either through watching a parent or experiencing a bad, broken situation. Okay? So I'll share with you guys something that's pretty intense um, about my family. So... Before I was born, uh, I had three brothers, and the oldest one died in a tragic accident before I was born. Hmm. And I was born into a family that was experiencing deep mourning and deep loss. Okay? That, that experience of that tragedy and that trauma it created a momentum in my family that I had no understanding of. I did not understand it, okay? It wasn't until I was an adult that I looked back and I went, dude, my whole life growing up was under this cloud of like tragedy. And I, I didn't get it. I just thought that these, so there's broken things happening in my family. I'm thinking, well, that's just everybody's, that's life, man. That's what I, no, we literally had a child die. And it created a variety of uh, difficulty. And so I was raised in that environment. So many of you have been through different traumatic things. I get it. I understand it. Uh, I don't understand yours, but I know what, I know what I've been through, and it's, it was real. It was real stuff. And there was real things that happened in my house that were not my fault. They were not something that I chose. It wasn't any volition. It was just there because of the broken thing that happened. Does that make sense? So we learn, oftentimes we learn behavior, emotional behavior, through those kind of broken experiences, okay? Either that it happened to us or around us, we learn behavior. I happen to also be raised in a home with divorced parents. Divorced parents, a divorce in a home creates a violent atmosphere. It, it's literally what the Bible says. It covers your works with violence. It, your, your works, your life. Is covered with violence. So I had this deep trauma thing before I was born, and then my parents got divorced. You can see that I would come up with some bad behaviors 
that I've learned and false beliefs that I have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So some of you have been through way worse than me. Some of you haven't been through as rough as me. It doesn't matter. Your rough stuff that you learned from your environment is your rough stuff. It's just as valid as anybody else's, okay? Uh, so here's what happens. You're on the road of life. You're going through. And you have an interaction with a person. You have an interaction in a situation. And that interaction, it triggers you. Trigger. That's a, that is a very last 10 years word. That word wasn't around much. But you get triggered. And what do I mean by triggered? You're walking through life. It's, everything's cool. Something happens and your emotions begin to explode. And you're not sure 100% why. I call that an emotional cascade. It's like what's going on in your heart is a waterfall of emotion that someone just lifted the dam on and here it comes. And it, does this make sense? You guys know what I'm talking about? And it can be, logically, it can be a real mild situation, right? Like in your mind, like, this is no big deal. I don't know why, but I am blowing up on the inside. You ever had that experience? I've had that. I've, I mean, I've had it so many times. Like, I am feeling something like at level 10, yeah. and I know with my mind, this is a level one problem. It's really level one. But in my heart tells me this is a level 10 because something is exploding in here. And, uh, and I, there's an emotional cascade. There's a waterfall of emotion happening. So when, when that emotional cascade is exploding on the inside, the reason why that's going on is because there's stuff you're actually believing about that, that interaction, about that moment. There's stuff you're believing about that moment that triggered you. It, and, and it doesn't even have to be the same as, it could just touch that learned behavior from your past or whatever. Does that make sense? It could just, you know, it, you know, you don't have to break your arm again, but if you've got a broken arm and something grabs it and rattles it a little bit, ouch, right? It could simply be similar or it could just sort of reflect that old thing. And, and what's going on there is there is a belief system that's going on in your mind that's causing your emotions to explode in that way. And there's something you believe about God, there's something you believe about yourself, there's something you believe about others. And that belief system is what's empowering that emotional waterfall. Well, here's what has to happen. When that's going down, you got to find out what it is you're believing. And then you've got to recognize, is what I'm believing false or is it true? Now, this is very sterile because this is a diagram on a piece of paper. This is not full contact life. Like, I know when those emotional cascades are going on, you're not going, now, what am I actually believing? My stomach is erupting in emotion. What is this about? And I know that's not tendency. The tendency is when that thing is exploding, you begin to explode. 
You cry, you yell, you shout, you shut down, you punch, whatever, right? But what's empowering that thing is a false belief on the inside. Something you believe about yourself, something you believe about God, something you believe about others. And what happens is when that false belief is empowering that, that cascade, it leads to negative actions. Right? In other words, I say, what's up? You go, not much. I go, sweet. Let's just use a completely would never happen in the world. I go, sweet. And that word sweet is your trigger. Let's just imagine and all of a sudden you go, don't say that to me, man. I'm like, whoa. Sweet. You said it again. And like, okay, so. <laughs> right? So now we're having this crazy interaction that logically makes no sense, but emotionally it's, it's fully real. Right? Your actions are now negative actions. And, and you actually, and I, we actually like each other. Like, we want to be in a relationship, but... Because I said the wrong word at the wrong time, now you're exploding, you explode on me, and then now we've got a bad outcome. We got broken trust, we got broken relationship, we got broken stuff. And and then there's this negative impact, because you and I aren't gonna be united moving forward. And there could have been real good fruit that came out of it, but now it's not. Okay, I'm using a little simple, silly example to describe something that's legit and happens all of the time. On the other side, there's this moment where maybe you're experiencing this emotional cascade and if you can slow it down, this is what I've found, if I can slow it down and begin to ask the questions, what am I feeling? What is this? Why did that word make me feel this way? Logically, that doesn't make any sense, and I'm angry that they said that word, but I am really angry. Let me just help you guys. Everybody, every psychiatrist, psychologist, they all say the same thing. Anger is a secondary emotion, but it's the first one's at the door. In other words, you're angry, but anger isn't what you're feeling. Anger is a protector. It protects what you're actually feeling. What you're feeling is betrayed, exposed, dishonored, rejected. You're feeling something like that, that anger is going to protect that. What am I feeling? What am I believing that's making me feel this way? What is actually true? What I found is this, and my wife, could, my wife could explain this. There's times where my wife has said stuff to me. And I'll go, why'd you say that? I mean, all of a sudden, I'm getting angry. I'm like, what, what in the heck are you trying to say? Well, she's an internal processor. So I'll just give you, let you, get, get you a little window in our world. She's an internal processor. If I show a negative emotion like that, she doesn't start talking. She starts shutting down. So I go, why are you saying it that way? She goes, um, um, um. I go, you don't know why you're saying it like that? What do you mean? It's like, you know, you're crazy. And all of a sudden, the emotional cascade is like, like it's full on Niagara Falls. And I'm like, I'm getting angry. 
You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You know, I'm just hulking out. 27 years later, I've learned when I start feeling that, I, I get, I start, I, I go, okay, don't talk because you're going to sin. Yeah. Let's not do a negative action. Yeah. Let's go slow and let's, what am I feeling? I'm pissed. Well, pissed is fast. What is the one under that? I'm feeling something else. Oh, I'm feeling dishonored. I'm feeling hurt that you would you would dishonor me. Okay, I'm hurt. I'm hurt in that. Huh? What do I believe about being dishonored? Oh, I, I'm believing falsely that I've got to get my honor from my life. But guess what? Our honor doesn't come from people. It comes from God. Oh, if I'm getting my honor from Jesus, from the Father, then it doesn't matter if anyone else dishonors me. So the truth is, God loves me. God honors and respects me regardless of anyone else does. And now I can choose truth. And even if she was being dishonoring, I don't have to play this game of, I'm going to fight you for my honor. I'm going to prove it. You're going to honor me. I mean, God loves me. I'm, I'm, I am affirm in the Father's love. He honors and respects me. But what I found in marriage is 99.9999% of the time that I think she's saying something that's hitting me in a negative way, she's actually not saying that. She's saying something else and I just completely misunderstood it. And so what is true has to, I have to go like, what is true about what she just said? That's just a little marriage tip. Thank you. Most of the time, the fight is in the air before it's actually in anyone's heart. It's not, it's not, it's, it gets mixed up in the air. But here's the point. If you can displace the false beliefs about yourself, about others, about God, with true beliefs about yourself, about others, and God, in that, moment, in that time of being triggered, you can find yourself engaging in godly actions with helpful outcomes, edifying, blessing, and constructive impact. Where, what is that? That's where instead of being a severing and a breaking, there's a mending and a growth. And I'm just telling you, this little diagram, there's, I mean, I could spend an hour and a half on it in every area and talk through this in detail, but this little diagram, I think it expresses a lot of what we're going through when something triggers us and we're having an emotional moment and we don't know why. Because something in there got hit that is identifying a false belief that we're carrying. And that false belief's got to be replaced with a, with a truth that offsets it. Something about God, something about us, something about others. Does that make sense what I'm saying here? Yeah. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful. So I would just say this, 90, 95% of the time the thought is from the outside, inside, or from heaven. 5% of the time it's coming up from this broken belief. It's still a thought you have to cast down. 
and replace. But the action of it is different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's the temptation thought. There's the take you on a ride thought. There's that thought where he's trying to control your mind. And then there's the thing that hits your emotions and your emotions are exploding. That is a different deal. It's still got to be dealt with by getting cast down and, and taken captive. But it, it gives uh, understanding as to what's going on on the inside. So I'm sharing all this with you guys tonight. I'm, I'm wrapping up now. I'm sharing all this with you guys tonight because as a young person, it was the thing I needed. It was the thing I needed most. I needed love. I needed intimacy. I needed the word. But I needed to get my mind back under my control. That was it. And once I was able to get my mind under control, under the control of the word, all of a sudden now I could make good choices. I could have good actions. I could display, uh, displace false beliefs. You know, I began, I began to believe that I was loved and not rejected. I began to believe that, that you know, God wasn't looking for another servant. He just wanted a son. I was able to believe that stuff when I was able to get my mind back. And some of you guys have a hard time with intimacy because you just let the enemy play that old movie about how you're not worth anything, how you're just terrible. You just let him play it. And you agree with it. You know, last thought, there's something called a familiar spirit. It's not a good thing. But it's familiar because we're familiar with it. Some people prefer their stronghold to truth. Because truth can be so uncomfortable when you're not used to it. And they're so used to their bad pattern of thought, that's just easier. I walked through, I mean, thousands of casting downs, thousands, to get the strongholds out of my brain. And it, I'm telling you, it was easier to go with the psychotic ideations I was having. It was way easier. I was way familiar with I knew the story. But I had to fight for truth. And so that, that's been, I, if I could just, if I could bottle it, put it in a jar and say, just take a, a sip of this every morning and your thoughts are gonna be great, I would do that. But there, there, this is where spiritual warfare is, guys. This is really where it's at. And so I'm just inviting you into vigilance in your mind. By inviting you into really taking every thought captive. Taking every thought captive. Don't let your mind go roll because, uh, you know, that you didn't, you didn't want. I'll I, I say this. This is really the last thought. It really is. I, I won't lie in the name of Jesus. Uh, I can remember being saved for years. And the thing tying into in my mind, I can just say, no, no, no. It's awesome. Then I can remember being tired. Different times getting tired. And old memories, old patterns starting to play in my head like a movie. And, and finding myself in moments back in those old feelings. Because I wasn't vigilant. It's stunning how quickly we let our mind go a certain direction, it impacts our soul, impacts our emotions, everything. Guys, be vigilant over your minds. This is, this is too important. Amen?
time, isn't it? We're going to pray. We're going to worship and pray.